We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Tuesday, September 27th edition of the RotoWire Fantasy Podcast. We're going over all your week four waiver wire pickups. Some running backs that probably already rostered, some wide receivers that are maybe not, so stick around. Uh, and we'll go through all those and more throughout the rest of the show. Again, welcome to the Tuesday, September 27th edition of the RotoWire NFL Facebook podcast. I'm Joe Bartle, back right uh, from the uh, graveyard, it felt like, over strep throat. Thank God that is more or less done. Uh, my voice will continue to waver throughout the show, but our fantasy analysis will not. Alongside me, as always, Jake Tarski. <laughs> what a great way to put it, man. I'm glad you're <laughs> over the illness. Uh, thanks again to Alan Sislowski for stepping in for me last week. Real sad that I heard you have right before the show. You told me you had to miss the Packer game as a yeah. result. So I mean, uh, it was a good thing. There was there was literally yeah. no way I could have been able to sit through that Bears Packers one mm-hmm. cheering or anything else. It was like 102 fever yeah. uh, for the entire week. Oof. Yeah, I've lost seven pounds uh, throughout the course of that whole week, too. Couldn't dang, anything. dang I need to catch strep throat like five <laughs> times then, if that's the case. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I mean, and so we have, for the listeners out there who have been following us for a number of years, I have a 14-month-old son, so I'm Oof. going through those like uh, younger year illnesses, things like that. We thought it was hand, foot, and mouth, which if, for those of you who are not aware of that, um, and now this is a medical podcast, this is a fantasy podcast, I promise. <laughs> Uh, the fact that I got strep throat instead of the hand, foot, and mouth was significantly better than the, what we could have hoped for. So all good news on that front. Again, hopefully my voice will hold through as best we can. But mm-hmm. um, I guess I'll say not a lot of top waiver wire pickups. I think kind of like last week, there's yeah. some in-between names we'll have to discuss. There are definitely some, some – yeah, the theme of the show is we're going to have like top-tier guys that are arguably empty all your fab guys because of change in circumstance on their team or mm-hmm. surrounding injuries – Big time pickups, but the problem is, is everyone is between forty nine and sixty five percent rostered already. So we'll touch on them, talk about their merits, and then try to find some deep dives because I know our listeners are in a variety of different leagues here. So hopefully, uh, we'll give you some useful information, and uh, hopefully, just maybe one of these guys that can change your season is left out there um, on on the waiver wire for you. Yeah. Before we get to the Monday night recap, and then of course the ensuing free agents get a word from our sponsors, Bro Throw. Have you ever bet on sports with your buddies? Well, of course. Bro Throw is the only sports betting platform that lets you bet directly with your friends. And Bro Throw doesn't take a cut of every bet. No fees, no juice, no middleman. Bro Throw is 
not a sports book. You bet on sports directly against users with no juice or anything else like that, which saves you a ton of money over time. Betting $11 to win $10 stinks. But with Throw, you can bet 10 to win 10. Throw offers a hassle-free sign-up process that lets you get in the action in seconds. And you don't have to deposit money on Throw either. Instead, you pay other bettors directly. Throw out your first bet and go to brothrow.com slash R-O-T-O and use your order code or use code ROTO. Brothrow is a free uh, is free sign up. You can cut out the middleman, start betting on Brothrow. That's brothrow.com slash R-O-T-O to get that first uh, bet up start. So, Not a frat party game, the fantasy football site. <laughs> yes, exactly. We had a Monday night football game. Now, Jake, I'll be honest, I didn't get a chance to participate in that game as much as I want to, although it's an NFC East game between the Giants and Cowboys. Yeah. I'm not normally interested in that anyhow. Uh, we are in the process of moving this week yeah. on top of everything. Oh, there else, you go. So it's been hard for me. So, so I pretty much watched it from front to beginning with like a slight – Front to beginning? Or fr- from front to back, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Jason, here we go already. Here we go already. I watched it from front to back with like a slight snooze from late in the second quarter to early in the third quarter. I t- timed the nap pretty well because it was field goal city to start on until some touchdowns started, uh, started getting going early on. So I think I watched the important parts here. But I've got the big story lines here for you i mean obviously cooper rush right he's the he's uh the big storyline in that he's been successful without dak prescott now no we don't believe jerry jones no he's not actually going to take dak's job who by the way dak got some of the bandages throwing off after his or Mm -hmm. from his surgery they were taken off and he was throwing the football with uh you know some kind of contraption there on his thumb and he kind of told the reporters the sideline reporters that who knows maybe next week he hints that next week he won't rule it out but maybe it's a couple weeks for Dak, and that's interesting. In the meantime, Cooper Rush becomes the first quarterback in history, I believe, to lead three game-winning drives in the fourth quarter or overtime to start his career 3-0. and And um, it's been pretty outstanding for him. I mean, he's making throws that, uh, you know, professional quarterbacks uh, – I mean, he is a professional quarterback. But, you know, <laughs> higher-level uh, quarterbacks tend to make here. It's made it so CeeDee Lamb isn't a complete waste. I know a lot of uh, fantasy managers that took him – at the turn or in the mid-second round, uh, started to get really worried about C.D. Lamb, especially after that first week. Um, so they, they've been good. But, uh, you know, on top of Cooper Rush, the big storyline for me has to be the Dallas running backs here. And, you know, we always talked about this changing of the guard maybe happening. You know, when when is it going to happen? You'd rather be a year too early than a year too late. And as as a result, Ezekiel Elliott's average draft position kind of fell down to the fourth round-ish uh, by the time we got closer to draft season. Now, you know, some people, including myself, did grab a couple shares at that price. And Elliott did score his first touchdown of the season, which you'd think is a pretty good sign. But really, it was Pollard that was the more effective back here. Pollard carried the ball 13 times for 105 yards. Elliott 15 times for 73 yards. And the big thing for me watching the game here is on that final drive when the Cowboys um when the Cowboys had a, their goal was to kill time, right? And get first downs by running on the ground. They let Pollard have the first carry. And then of course, Zeke had the second two, but the fact that they have that level of trust in Pollard to use him in that situations, um, I'm not necessarily saying pushing the panic button on Zeke because they can still be effective in a two back system. Mm -hmm. But um, overall, I mean, you're ranking the, if you're ranking the two of them, as far as rest of season goes, they're going to be right next to each other, if not Pollard slightly ahead. I mean, are you panicking about Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon? It's the same type of thing, mm-hmm. right? With that, with that running back split, and I'm not concerned in the slightest. Yeah. Uh, if you were drafting Zeke in the fourth round, 15 carries, 73 yards, and touchdown is fine. That that probably yeah. won you uh, leagues this week, given how low scoring overall week three fantasy seemed to be. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not worried about it. Um, the Pollard stuff. 
you were hoping Pollard would be more of a pass catcher. So the fact that he's kind of still mm-hmm. get, getting those carries yeah. as a change pace guy. Neither is, of them, I guess Cooper Rush is not really throwing to his back. Yeah, so I think yeah they each had one one target, only one, and Zeke caught his for two yards and Pollard didn't catch his. So, you know, no real pass catching from the off or from the running backs there. Yeah, on the other side of things, the Giants, obviously Saquon Barkley is about their only big thing. Daniel Jones mm-hmm. had some uh, Monday night running magic like he seems to always <laughs> do in these primetime games, but wasn't much of a, a passer, it felt like, and that's been the case yeah. for most of the season. I know that we have some uh, Giants fans, certainly in the Rotowire sphere, and uh, I felt like they are pretty pretenders of 2-0. and I'm glad that the Cowboys did what they were mm-hmm. supposed to, even though they had Cooper Rush there. Yeah, Kenny Galladay and uh, Sterling Shepard had notably – bad things happen, Kenny Galladay stinking, yes. and Sterling mm-hmm. Shepard tearing something. It yeah, we're gonna, not very good. We're going to have real uh, – I, I don't know if the official on Sterling Shepard came out, but basically on the Giants' last drive of the game, he uh, went down, non-contact, nobody touched him, right. went down, had to get carted off, and, you know, the Twitter docs are always out. I've seen everything from torn patellar tendon. Literally breaking news, 46 seconds ago, it has yeah. been reported that he tore his ACL. This is Ian mm-hmm. Rappaport that just reported that Sterling yeah. Shepard has, in fact, torn his ACL. So, I mean, we kind of figured out for the season, right, when he goes down like that, non-contact, then gets carted off. You know, the best-case scenario is missing six weeks, but, you know, he'll miss his season. you got to feel for the guy. He's a, he's a good player that has had some really tough injury breaks, and he's just haven't held up. I know because he's coming back from the Achilles injury, too. Not everybody can be James Robinson. Uh, James Robinson's doctor, by the way, should be the richest man in all of sports medicine um, <laughs> for the next couple of years because that's been amazing. But not to get sidetracked too much. So it's like, what do the Giants do now with their pass catchers? Because Shepard's out for the year. Kenny Galladay, man, he complains so much about not being on the field. Then he finally goes on the field, and the one time he gets the ball, he pretty much blew it, right? Because it was a it was a third down and long. He got the ball on kind of a, a hitch route, if I remember it. Mm-hmm, yeah. He came back. Uh, it could have easily been, you know, he was half a step away from it being a football move and a fumble. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ball came out. You know, he had a clear path to get the first down. It was a crucial drive where they're going down looking to tie the game. And the ball pops out. You know, fortunately for him, it wasn't a fumble, but it was just as bad. And those Giants fans let him hear it, too. So where does he go from here? I don't know. I mean, they're going to have no choice but to use him to some degree. I mean, we'll see what happens with Kadarius Tony this week. I mean, your Kadarius Tony draft picks that look bad at the beginning might actually turn into something because they're simply out of options. Well, and Rondell Robinson was also ruled out from this game on mm-hmm. Saturday. Uh, it was interesting to see the the injury reports on Saturday because I was I was the one doing the notes and yeah. it seemed like Michael Gallup was going to play. It seemed like Dalton Schultz had some positive momentum going his way. It was really just that Wandale was out. Kadarius Tony was doubtful time, was going to be pretty clearly mm-hmm. ruled out as well, too. I'm not sure what that Giants pass-catching group looks like. It's Richie James, David Sills, yeah. Wandale, and the Kadarius mm-hmm. Tony, and then you have Galladay, and like Darius Slayton, who has had moments in the past as well with Daniel Jones as quarterback that he's buried so far in the depth chart. It's really interesting. With Shepard out, this is going to be one yeah. that we have to watch, but I'm not sure exactly. it's an actual one. Yeah, and we have to touch on the Cowboys pass-catchers just real quick. I mean, Noah Brown was number two to CeeDee Lamb with seven targets, got five for 54. I just I think when Gallup comes back and can take on a full snap load, that 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 role is going to be his and, and he'll be productive. So I put Gallup down as one of our ads before. And I know last week with Allen, I tried to plug the former Badger, Jake Ferguson, give him a little <laughs> bit of love. It was Peyton Hendershot that was probably the tight end, too, in the absence of um, of Dalton Schultz. And of course, Ferguson, you know, two of his three targets for 13 yards, but he also 
should have gotten out of or should have stayed in bounds for the Cowboys. And it basically was a 42nd bonus for the Giants on that final drive. Didn't end up mattering, but it was a, a big mental mistake that I can only imagine might cost them reps. So, yeah, not that the career is over or anything by any means, but not quite the showing that I had hoped when I put them out there as a sleeper for your 14 team, two tight end leagues last week. <laughs> uh, should we move on to the quarterbacks? Yes, I think it's time. All right. So we have to outline this with Mac Jones a little bit because there's mm-hmm. some differing opinions right now. So, Mac Jones. Uh, we've all seen the images of him being carried off into the locker room uh, at the end of that game. The reports are pretty much high... screaming in pain. Yeah, yeah, it's not a good image for Mac Jones, and he hasn't had a very many good images. You know, the one where he's thrown away. <laughs> okay, so Mac Jones high ankle sprain, obviously a painful injury. I don't want to yeah. discount. Yeah, that I don't whatsoever. want to kick the guy when he's down too bad. <laughs> it's what's the recovery timeline? Because this could be one of those where you could have surgery. It sounds like that was mm-hmm. that severe of an injury, and it might even seem like Mac Jones himself wants to do that. There was reports yeah. Sunday night that Mac Jones and his camp would mm-hmm. favor a longer recovery time frame, which would theoretically mean the surgery six to eight weeks uh, in terms mm-hmm. of his recovery timeline. Where the Patriots want him to be back as soon as possible. I guess that makes sense from a team yeah, perspective. Yeah, is- <clears throat> Two-week return time if it was up to the Patriots. Where are you leaning with this? Because, I mean, it's Brian Hoyer right now. Maybe you're uh, – uh, I forget the guy, the speedy guy that they drafted in like the fifth or sixth round. Oh, Bailey Zapp? Yeah, Zapp. I, I, Zappi, Zappi. I don't know. There's no accent in that name. So but- <laughs> Brian Hoyer is your starter for the immediate future. It's going to be how long do you have Brian Hoyer. If you have Brian Hoyer in the Mac Jones time frame where he's out six to eight weeks – that's unfortunately interesting in a super mm-hmm. flex league or deeper leagues because yeah. you have to consider that from a, a bi-week perspective mm-hmm. starting up kind of soon. Yeah, or I'll be bidding on him. And uh, actually, no, I should be getting Dak Prescott back in, in my dynasty league I like to talk about. But no, it's interesting. I mean, Brian Hoyer, there's familiarity here. There's just not much ceiling here. You're throwing him out there and you're hoping for 15 points a game, really. I mean, uh, Devontae Parker did break out a little bit for the Patriots this week. We'll talk about him later. Jacoby Myers is a nice PPR guy. Um, but I feel like Hoyer is just – there's not much ceiling. There's nothing flashy there. Now, if it's a two-quarterback uh, league where maybe you lost Mac Jones, you weren't getting much from Mac Jones anyway, yeah, I could see throwing a you know, 20 to 30% bid out there, maybe even more just to make sure you lock him up given you know how dire the situation actually is. But it's definitely not a bid you get super excited about. Um, and, yeah, as far as the injury goes, like you noted at the, at the front of the show, we're not a medical podcast, but you think high ankle sprain, <laughs> anywhere from two to three to four to six weeks, severe high ankle sprain, six to eight weeks, and now we're looking at possible season-ending surgery. I mean uh, – I don't know if it's season-ending surgery for Mac Jones yet. If, yo, if you okay. were to have the surgery – He's out six to eight weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah, That's, there we go. You got that is, a little and bit this better. Is from the, the Patriots side of things. And mm-hmm. we know how Belichick of, does. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's there's a lot of moving pieces with this. I'm surprised that the Patriots want to push out their franchise mm-hmm. QB on an injury that is this severe, but it's not like Mac Jones is all that mobile. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the part where it'd be problem the offensive line isn't great. I'm I'm concerned. Yeah. That, so this week, right, the, the Patriots versus the Packers at Lambeau. I'm not sure you're playing Brian Hoyer even in mm-hmm. super flex formats. Yeah, that Packers defense. I mean, we all we thought they might be pretty good to start the year. Obviously, they got off to a bit of a slow start against Minnesota here, and we were a little worried about the Jair Alexander injury. But clearly, um, they have depth in the secondary that can get them going. And uh, yeah, they're definitely a matchup you probably want to avoid, especially as a backup quarterback. I'm even going to be a little bit worried about my Jacoby Myers shares this week. Yeah, and, and Myers didn't play this yeah, past if week, he even plays, which exactly. is going to be 
uh, a lead into Devontae Parker. We'll talk about a little bit later on in the show. Okay, so quarterback wise, the Mac Jones part of this. So then we have Tua, who definitely didn't suffer a concussion during the win over <laughs> yeah, the Bills. Yeah, wink, wink, right? Uh, back injury, uh, supposedly, which leaves you groggy. I've had, I guess, Jake, plenty of back injuries throughout my times playing football and. Mm-hmm. Uh, soccer so you're yeah, not see, aware of what a concussion looks like at once all. again not a medical podcast but i was talking to this with my brother uh yesterday and we're both big ufc fans and he tells me yeah from watching mma that guy got his bell rung <laughs> you know that no, guy's uh, knocked out on, yeah, yeah, if, that, if that happens in an octagon the referee's stepping in to wave it off right oh, yeah. um mm-hmm. so so yeah very interesting here again i'm not going to pretend uh you know, to have my md here but i would just be on the lookout because it's a thursday night game if you know the if they have any kind of findings, you know, maybe Teddy Two Gloves, Teddy Bridgewater comes into play here. But, uh, you know, as far as your two quarterback leagues, at least, you know, Brian Hoyer is going to start at least a couple games here. Right. So that, you know, that definitely ranks ahead. You're more or less keeping an eye on Teddy uh, in, in the chance that uh, that Tua has to sit. And um, the brief time Teddy was in, you could see, I don't know if you caught any of that on red zone, but you could see Tyreek Hill visibly upset with where those balls were going. Oh, sure. In the two passes that Teddy threw, Tyreek Hill was not happy with it. So, um, you know, maybe they'll have some time to develop chemistry if something happens, but uh, you don't really look forward to uh, Teddy and he obviously Waddle and Hill value gets hugely downgraded all, if he has to play. All reports seem to indicate that the Dolphins are going to stick to that back thing until they lose another first-round pick. Um, but for the meantime, that doesn't hurt us in a fantasy perspective. It sounds like Tua will play. Mm-hmm. Again, important because it's a Thursday contest. Yep. So from a streaming quarterback perspective, get a couple of names to just consider. Yeah. And I'll, I'll list them, Jacob, and I want you to mm-hmm. discuss the merits for a few of them. So Jared Goff at 45% rostered going against the Seahawks. Winston, Jameis Winston, and his 37 back vertebrae injuries against the Vikings at 42% rostered. Mm-hmm. And then Jimmy G, newly appointed starting quarterback, who you and Alan covered profusely last week, at 35% roster going against the Rams. Of those three, maybe throw Matt Ryan to against the Titans at 35%. Yeah. Of those four, which one do you like the most? I actually kind of like Goff because it seems like, uh, I mean, he loses DeAndre Swift. That's a bit of a concern. Theoretically. And we'll it, say the, theoretically he's going to lose DeAndre Swift. Yeah, I mean, it's not my confirmed yet. He's week to oh, week. Oh, I guess, yeah, he's week to week. Okay, sure. Um, I, I'm preparing for a multi-week absence from DeAndre Swift just from everything I've read about that situation. But who knows? Maybe he pleasantly surprises me. Um, the sun god, Amon Ross St. Brown, is looking like a wide receiver one. And um, as long as Goff keeps feeding him the ball, they're having success. So uh, he's probably a guy that you look at that we weren't really – that wasn't even really on the radar at the start of the year. Now, Streaming is interesting because, you know, Mac Jones to uh, maybe those were guys you were picking up and playing if um, if uh, you lost Dak, for example, mm-hmm. or if you lost Trey Lance, for example. So now streaming gets to be here. We don't have buys for a while yet, but you have those situations. You also have Justin Herbert, who is interesting, you know, yeah. wasn't all that effective. He'll get Keenan Allen back, hopefully this week but he's someone that you start to think about okay do i look at my plan b i played cousins over herbert this week that's exactly the combo i did too yeah Uh, because i was well because the cousins had the nooner and herbert was like even glazer didn't know on fox before the game so i was like well i i have to roll out cousins because otherwise you know i can't afford to to carry three quarterbacks in this league by picking somebody up and the options will be ugly anyway so herbert's an interesting one that you have to think about a streamer yeah 
I know you wish we could talk more offensive linemen all day on this podcast, but the Chargers lost Rashawn Slater, their all-pro left tackle, mm-hmm. to the torn bicep. Corey Lindsley, all-pro center, missed last week's game with a knee injury. No idea what his stats will be. Yeah. That's two of their best linemen, yeah. and I was like mm-hmm. two of their only good spots. Some of the, the best linemen line in the too. division in the conference. So, you know, those are right. solid guys. That's I agree. With I think starting Justin Herbert is going to be interesting now, especially with Rashawn Slater out, but so long as Corey Lindsley's out too. I'm I'm more concerned about that as well. So mm-hmm. I mean, these names getting Goff, Winston, uh, yeah. Jimmy, Matt Ryan. Would I start Goff over Herbert? Probably not, but it becomes really, really interesting. We have to monitor practice participation maybe a little bit. The other name I put on the list that I'm slightly interested in is Marcus Mariota, 22% rostered against the Browns. Um, I know that that defense, the Browns defense is good. But they, I believe Clowney didn't play last week. And Miles Garrett, I don't know the latest news on him, but he was in a car accident. He seemed to avoid any serious injuries. But, you know, you want to watch that. If they're down their two best pass rushers like that, um, you know, that makes it a lot easier for a guy like Marcus Mariota to seal the edge. Now, he didn't have a good game with his feet uh, last week, and he fumbled twice. Um, you know, which cost a lot of fantasy managers, but he still ended up with like 16 fantasy points despite all the turnovers. Mm-hmm. So uh, Mariota is only 22% rostered, and he's somebody that uh, I think makes it a real competitive. You really got to think about that Mariota versus Herbert choice, especially if Herbert's not practicing. He needs to get another injection, and or maybe you know you have him in the late game and you're not sure, and uh, you know you have to go to Mariota. So I, I still keep Mariota as one of my top targets, right up there with Goff, kind of neck and neck. Though maybe I slightly prefer Mariota. I like the Mariota play, and again, just for streamer options, we mentioned Winston. Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt Ryan, Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. I would play Baker Mayfield against the Cardinals defense it's and Geno Smith against the Lions defense oh, yeah. over any of those four that we just mentioned. I think Geno mm-hmm. Smith actually is uh, sneakily like a top 20, top 18 fantasy play this week. And Baker Mayfield is for as bad as DJ Moore has been. I know that's been a lot of hysteria mm-hmm. right now. We have questions in the comment section about DJ Moore and what you should trade him for. Totally get it. Completely understand how I bail as best I could. This should be a good match against the Cardinals defense with Baker Mayfield and Panthers. Mm-hmm. So that would be another one that I could kind of basically if it doesn't happen this week, it might not be happening. Yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty certain yeah. overall we did the over unders mm-hmm. in the Panthers right, and I was like I'm taking yeah. the under on their wins. That was a mm-hmm. part of it because I wasn't I wasn't more is just be in that dreaded fantasy purgatory. Nobody wants to trade for him. You can't really bring yourself to cut him, but you certainly can't start him. So it's right. just that that frustratingly dead weight on your roster there um so yeah so i i agree with you Mariota, gino you know Baker, even baker there, there's some decent options to stream but you have to be real real gutsy to pull that trigger and swap them for herbert oh right yeah the herbert won't be that'll be interesting it's easy when we have mm-hmm. Kirk cousins like you and i mentioned yep uh different entirely when you're dealing with gino smith of all mm-hmm. people let's let's transition over to the running backs before we do let's stop and get a word from our sponsors uh for the video audience this will be a momentary thing audio audience we, we, we will be right back We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so running backs. Um, last week, you guys mentioned Daryl Williams. Um, and Benjamin, the Cardinals backfield overall, what was it going to look like? Raheem Mostert, yeah. uh, Tyler Algier, I guess you put in front of these reluctantly. Yeah. <laughs> so he's one of those cases where, like, I, I try to review every, every major waiver list out there. And some of these guys I put on the list that we talk about, but also say, like, why I'm not necessarily so interested in them. And Alan and I, if you listen to the show last week, neither of us were really on Algier. So um, apparently that was the right call because Cordero Patterson ended up having a pretty Still good week. Still continues to be insane, yeah. This week it's going to be tricky because we talked on the top of the broadcast. There's a lot of running backs that if they are available, it is a dump your waiver wire entirely situation. Jamal Williams with DeAndre Swift listed as week to week, probably not playing this week. I think that's an assumption you mm-hmm. made, Jake, but that's a fair assumption. Then there's David Montgomery, who is, I yeah. guess, day to day. But let's be honest, it's it's a weird situation with that Bears offense overall. Yeah. If Khalil Herbert is available and you really need a starter, I'm totally comfortable because it's yeah. like Herbert. I think I, I think I saw he's listed as mm-hmm. running back seven overall in fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was like seven. Yeah, he had a 30 point PPR week, you know, after, you know, despite not really being that much of a pass catcher, catcher, 150 yards on the ground and two scores. But I just want to take this from the top quick. Our last note on DeAndre Swift is interesting. It takes a, 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 a quote from head coach Dan Campbell that says maybe he could benefit from taking the next two weeks off because the Lions have a week six bye. And obviously, you know, that might not be the case. That could just be his way of, you know, maneuvering and Swift ends up playing this week. But Jamal Williams, the reason he's 61% rostered already is because he's basically been the goal line guy, even with Swift around. So that brings him standalone value in any kind of league with depth. So he's out there first. You know, he probably has to be your first pick because we don't know exactly how long uh, Delvin Cook or... David Montgomery are going to miss, if time at all. Now, Delvin Cook could come out there uh, with his shoulder injury. This is something that I believe has happened to him in the past, and he's when it's a sublexed shoulder injury. So much more medical talk than yeah, uh, than we've than we've been to in the past. Now, um, this is the same thing that happened to him week thirteen last season, and um, I think the hope is that he'll just play through it wearing a harness. But Madison will get significant work. Uh, either way, you know, he's been he's been involved, you know, regardless. So uh, he and, he and he's another guy that's similar to Williams has some standalone value there here. Khalil Herbert, probably overall your top uh, your top pickup. Um, I, if you had to pick between Herbert and Williams, most people aren't going to be fortunate enough to fortunate enough to have to make this decision. Um, you might almost. He'd probably go Williams just because of the goal line work, but Herbert's right be- right behind. And, you know, Montgomery has knee and ankle injuries. It didn't look great. Um, we'll have to see what his practice participation looks like, you know, uh, and uh, and make a bid from there. But uh, Herbert was already one of the top backups worth rostering. Um, it didn't look so much last week against the Packers where Montgomery was getting a ton of the work. But uh, this week, obviously, we saw that there's – an easy swap here, you know, where Herbert becomes the feature back. Um, if, you know, if something happens to Montgomery and he's got a couple week, decent weeks ahead at the giants, at the Vikings uh, versus, versus the commanders here, all kind of uh, middle of the pack to bottom of the pack options here. So um, I would argue emptying the fab for these last couple, for these, even just these next couple weeks, 
with the idea that he stays on your roster even when Montgomery's back. He can be a desperation flex week in a bye even when Montgomery is healthy. And and who knows, Montgomery, you know, something could happen to him again down the line, making him, uh, you know, he, he's it's a the way this offense runs, it's run heavy. They don't trust fields. They trust the running backs in the running game. And uh, that makes Herbert probably the top guy, assuming Williams is unavailable. Honestly, I think what's going to be more important for fantasy managers listening to this or kind of game planning how they want to operate with the waiver wire this week. What can you trade for Jamal Williams or Khalil Herbert? That might be more important because, again, we have Jamal Williams at roster 61% on Yahoo, Khalil Herbert at 49%. I, uh, we were talking uh, before we came on the podcast, Aaron Quinn, who's one of our many, many masterminds here at the uh, Rotoware HQ Center and also does a lot of different stuff. He was going to offer a, a certain wide receiver for Jamal Williams and, and and stuff. And I've had questions here as well, too, mm-hmm. that have been answering, what would you trade for Jamal Williams? I'm not sure the answer. I think you could tweet us at JB Fantasy Sports at Roto Jake. We'll be glad to help participate as best we can for figuring out the yeah. best Jamal Williams. Because if you have Jamal Williams, especially if you don't have DeAndre Swift, you're thinking this is this is you know found money anyway. Like I'll take whatever I can get to improve mm-hmm. my overall totality of the roster. Like I think Jamal Williams can be had. I think Khalil Herbert can be had. It's going to be a matter of what can you offer to make the roster for the other person work. I just want to throw some names out there to get a line. I mean, because this is this is one of the hardest ones. Um, that you look at. I mean, so four names, Jerry, Judy, Hollywood, Brown, um, Amari Cooper, and Elijah Moore. Are any of those guys, guys that you would rather have than Khalil Herbert right now? Uh, Hollywood Brown, for sure. Mm-hmm, but his value is going to go down after week six, I have to imagine. I, don't believe, I, don't, I think the Cardinals uh, defense is so bad that you're going to have to have, you can have two guys that are totally fine. Passers. Plus hurts. I think I'd rather have Herbert over Elijah Moore. Uh, who were the other guys that you mentioned? Amari Cooper I'm and Jerry t- Judy. Oh, man. The Judy one's really interesting. I think that, like, if you were uh, straight up Judy for Jamal Williams, the person who has mm-hmm. Jamal Williams will say yes every time. Like, that, you're, again, this is around 13 or 14 running back that you're yeah, adopting. Yeah. You'd gladly take that. I think Amari Cooper you? might be the only one I'd rather take. Yeah, that's that's this is the this is the compelling yeah. conversation. So like, again, I, I hate those. Those are the toughest questions in fantasy. Like, what kind of trade value would you like? So I tried to pick a range there that might make some names interesting. Because if you go ahead of those names, you look at guys like Deontay Johnson, Gabe Davis, Cortland Sutton. Obviously, I'd much rather have any of those guys over Herbert or Williams. But the next tier down, then things then things start to get interesting here. So. Um, Hopefully that illustrated things a little bit, uh, you know, for the listeners out there. But why don't we touch on a couple of other, um, a couple of other possible pickups here? Um, I want to head to the Bengals. You know, Samaje Pirine is interesting because he's only six percent rostered. He's someone you can actually get out there if, uh, you know, if uh, you're one of those listeners out there that you know has some has some savvy active owners in, in a deeper league here. So uh, the reason I mentioned Samaje Pirine is one. Maybe some standalone value outside of Mixon. He had a 26.4% snap share, um, or I'm sorry, 33.8% snap share last week, 26.4% on the season. I do want to mention that Jerry uh, had added has added a new column to the backfield breakdown, which is fantastic, and it's um, it's uh, free this week and this week only, likely, mm. where he puts uh, the season-long snap share along with carry share and target share next to the current week, which really helps you illustrate whether this week was more or less than what they've been doing all season. And uh, it was a little bit more uh, than what was going on all season, and that's because um, 
Samaj Piran took 100% of the snaps in the fourth quarter after Joe Mixon kind of went down with an ankle injury. Now, the Bengals have a short turnaround. They have Thursday night. Apparently, Mixon is good to go. Um, you know, for this matchup, you know, he was limited in, on Monday's estimated practice report. But I'm still interested in Pirine. Not that I'd pick him up and start him over Mixon if he's active. But if you find yourself in a tough scenario, uh, you know, with running backs or, or with the flex, you know, you have to throw Pirine in there a little into consideration here because, uh, you know, looking, uh, you know, the target share hasn't been huge, but there's a little standalone value outside of Mixon in a deeper league. And of course, if they limit Mixon at all on Thursday or he re-injures himself, then suddenly Pirine sets him up for possibly a 50% or greater snap share, which would, I mean, this is all a gamble, but you're looking at a guy that's 6% rostered to try to help you out. So um, he makes things interesting. Miami is, uh, I guess I looked at yesterday. This stat might have updated, but 17th against opposing running backs in uh, in, in in fantasy. So uh, Piran is one name that I'm I'm possibly looking at. Jake, I'll have to have you keep talking about the running backs because we're going to be possibly running into a forced update. I'm trying to quickly change that while things are going on. So I'll let you discuss the other running back, and if the broadcast stops in the next 40 seconds, we'll try to jump back in as soon as we can. But uh, fun problems that we deal with Max. This All right, we're gonna have thing. to uh, we're gonna have to get tech support on that a uh, little bit. Otherwise, I might be able to. Uh, I don't know if I can resume the broadcast. On That's here. fine. We'll I just keep talking about happens. the running backs. All right, I'm gonna keep talking about running backs. I'll run down my list here, and maybe we split the show in two and do before and after running backs. Anyway, next guy on my list, uh, JD McKissick, twenty six percent rostered in Yahoo. Um, the usage there for McKissick is interesting because. Um, I mean, we see that, uh, you know, that uh, Antonio Gibson has been getting, you know, pretty much uh, he's been getting the goal line carries and that's helped sustain his value. He saved his fantasy day with a garbage time touchdown this past week. And, uh, you know, looking at the snap distribution here on the season, uh, McKissick was 45.7%. So that's already high, already interesting. 52.6% here in week three. Basically, the commanders got out to a deficit and were playing from behind the entire game, which makes sense that you use McKissick as the pass catching back. When Brian Robinson eventually comes back for the commanders, um, I think, uh, you know, he cuts into the use of Gibson uh, more than he does McKissick. You know, McKissick is a guy that has been capable of catching a high volume of passes in the past. And I'm surprised that the roster ship here is so low. I mean, he has among the whole team, you know, with some of the weapons that he has, uh, he had a 15 percent target share in 2022, 21.4 percent target share on uh, on on Sunday. So, you know, we're talking about Scary Terry. We're talking about Dotson. We're talking about Curtis Samuel. But McKissick is still warranting, you know, that much of the targets of the target share. He needs to be someone that you can absolutely maybe there's a home run week or two in there. There is some ceiling, but he's someone that in PPR leagues that, you know, that's those are probably the leagues where he's already rostered. Mm -hmm. But in PPR leagues, you definitely have to think about um, uh, about getting him and using him as a possible flex play if you're in a tough running back situation. I also jotted down Craig Reynolds of the Lions on this list. I'm not crazy about him, but he's university, universally available. I want to make sure that you don't – because I'm making the outline. I almost made this mistake. But you don't want to mix him up with Josh Reynolds, a receiver who had 10 targets at Minnesota. Not quite sure that's sustainable um, with uh, you know the Lions getting uh, – what, what's the rookie? Jameson Williams coming back um, in a couple weeks. Soon, I don't know yeah, I think maybe a couple weeks. We have to look at that. As well as uh, you know, the sun god Amon Ra had to leave the game and come back a little bit. Mm. So um, I think that contributed a little bit. But I still don't rank Craig or Josh Reynolds over DJ Shark. But anyway, Craig Reynolds 
might step into more of a swift role. At least there's room. I don't think Jamal Williams is suddenly going to come out and get 80, 90% of the snap share among the league leaders if Swift has to miss time. There's somebody else in that mix. And uh, to me, it seems like uh, I'm going to try to get some, look at some data here from, uh, from last week. You know, he was out there 16% of the snaps here. Um, and he, Reynolds, seven touches for 18 yards. He didn't really have a good time finding room. It's more of a desperation play, but he's there. So those are my guys. Um, I saw Mark Ingram pop up on a lot of lists. I'm not crazy about that. Yeah, I'm not. uh, I'm not crazy about that because Kamara didn't look good in his first game back. By the way, the Saints' offense on a whole didn't really look good. They kind of sputtered. Yes, yeah. Olave is the stud. They're getting all the touches here. What do you think? Here, are we back? Are we avoiding the update? I might have uh, stopped Doomsday for now, but again, if we at (laughs) any point have the broadcast just end, it's uh, thankfully forced updates uh, by Mm -hmm. uh, Google and stuff. That's we're good. I I think. I think we've. I think we've survived, Jake. I think I've stopped Doomsday. Hopefully, I talked us through our running backs here and have enough breath left to do this vivid seats right here. In a second, I got it. we we're got good. it. We're good. We're, good. we're, good. we're good. Yeah, Okay, so. cool. So uh, I, I threw on Mark or Mark Ingram because I saw him pop up on a lot of lists. I don't think there's a lot of ceiling there. You're basically hoping for a goal line carry that he actually succeeds on, and uh, that's your best bet. So I mean, and you, you're going to need that to get double digit points out of him. So I don't love it. I mean, it's pretty much the same situation, at least with you know, I guess not the same as Craig Reynolds because Jamal Williams is getting those goal line carries. So we'll, we'll Mark Ingram more of a desperation play, which brings me to cuts. We were high on Daryl Williams last week. Obviously, that was the under the assumption that James Conner wouldn't play. Conner ended up being active, which basically vanishes Daryl Williams' utility. Uh, so Daryl Williams is basically a low-value handcuff in a deep league where you have Conner at this point. If not, you can let him go. The other hot pickup was Zamir White. I know you were doing injuries Saturday, and a lot of, uh, a lot of reports, speculation was that Josh Jacobs wasn't even going to travel with the team. Then that spin right back around, yeah. and he ended up traveling, yeah. playing. No real utility for Zamir White. So uh, those are both guys. And the other guy is Kenneth Gainwell of the Eagles. Now, people think a little bit differently about him. There are a lot of schools of thought because he did have a 31.4% snap share week three. His snap share on the season is 29.4%. So, you know, a guy that's out there on the field a third of the time is going to probably convert an inside the five carry eventually. He's going to maybe have a big player too eventually, but he turned that snap share on Sunday into three carries and zero targets. And that's on a team where Jalen Hurts is getting so many of the rushing touchdowns and where Miles Sanders has established himself as the lead back. I just, I, I, 12 teamers, there's no reason to hang on to Gainwell. I'm keeping him in a 14 team dynasty league out of hopes that he can somehow turn this around. If something were to happen to Sanders, I'm not necessarily 100% sure Gainwell just takes over there. I mean, Boston Scott would get a huge uh, chunk of that work in that scenario. Um, so for now, Gainwell is a drop for me if you have to. I mean, there's still a little bit of long term upside. Maybe he can get something going here. But for now, um, I don't think he's necessary to keep on your roster. And you definitely be dropping him for most of the backs. I drop him for obviously Williams, Madison, Herbert. Mm-hmm. Chances are they're not out there if you're rostering Gainwell anyway. I'd probably drop him for McKissick as well. I was, you know, if I was on this broadcast last week, I would have mentioned James Cook as a drop candidate. Where are you, who has been invested in James Cook quite a bit, either on mm-hmm. dynasty purposes? That was the only else. league I touched him. I oh, actually, okay. um, I thought you had more shares of him because you were I, I only got him in the dynasty league, and um, 
you know, I I didn't care for him in redraft because I think Devin Singletary is still the man. And Devin Singletary was out on the field for 73.6% of snaps against the Dolphins. So, uh, you know, that's good enough for me. James Cook, uh, you know, had a, is involved in the passing game. He had five targets, but Singletary had 11 targets. And then Cook only had one carry. He's interesting. I don't have much interest in him uh, for redraft. I mean, you're keeping him around. And I don't even necessarily know that right, he's the like handcuff to Singletary. It could be Zach. Yeah, Cook it could be Zach Moss. I mean, if, if Singletary gets hurt, maybe James Cook goes up to like 30, 40% of snaps at best with a little bit more of a pass catching role. But um, yeah, for redraft leagues, I think you can you can pretty safely part ways. Um, obviously, the big three guys we mentioned, I'd rather have over Cook. I think I'd drop Cook for McKissick too. Okay. Uh, I, I tend to agree with you uh, on that as well. So let's transition over to water receiver, which I think actually is more uh, waiver wire utility, specifically in a few spots. But first, a word from our sponsors of Vivid Seats. Hey, football fans, get your jerseys and your tailgate snacks ready. That's right, NFL season is back. And so is your chance to score tickets with Vivid Seats. Download the Vivid Seats app or visit vividseats.com to see your team's schedule, compare tickets, and secure your spot in the stands. As the only ticketed company with a reward program, Vivid Seats is the winning app for NFL fans like you. Earn credit when you buy 10 tickets then cash in to catch more games all season long with tickets from Vivid Seats to go from watching the game to being a part of it. Go to vividseats.com or find us in the app store to browse unbeatable seats. We'll see you in the stadium. Okay, last week, Michael Gallup, who we can mention this week as a possible pickup, mm-hmm. should be back for week four. Yeah, Garrett Wilson, who I thought had a pretty good performance, and we still have Zach yeah. Wilson theoretically back soon. Jacoby Barton, Garrett Wilson, I believe, play. left and then came back. Yep, so I think yep, he's yep. healthy enough, but he seems to be the guy over uh, Elijah Moore for sure. I love Jacoby Myers, um, provided he's healthy. Obviously, didn't play this past week. I think against the Packers mm-hmm. in week four, whether it is Brian Hoyer or Mac Jones, should be Brian mm-hmm. Hoyer. Myers will be fine. Obviously, certainly Shepard yeah. has injury. Sammy because Watkins, of his because injury of the, reserve, yeah. too. Kind of crazy kind of week three performance mm-hmm. overall. So yeah. because Sammy Watkins is on injured reserve out for the next four weeks, Romeo Dobbs, I think, might be my favorite waiver wire pickup for most people. He's only mm-hmm. rostered in 25% of leagues. That was a vintage wide receiver one performance that we saw against the Buccaneers. And I'm happy that mm-hmm. uh, Aaron Rodgers seemed to trust him in critical plays, the slants. It wasn't just bubbles and uh, obviously schemed plays. It was mm-hmm. Romeo Dobbs, get open. I will look for you if you are open. And yeah. that's what you want from your Packers wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you first you look at the snap share, right? Lazard leads the way 91.7%. Dobbs, 90%. Randall Cobb's only 40%. So Dobbs, right there alone, you have wide receiver two. Uh, his eight catches uh, was a franchise rookie record. Which is crazy. I didn't which is crazy. Yeah, I guess they. I guess it just uh, historically, Ben, you know, you slowly wait for the rookie receivers to develop and he did so against the Tampa Bay Tampa Bay secondary I, I Tampa Bay I almost mixed those two <laughs> two together but a Tampa Bay secondary that is solid you know this is going to be one of the better matchups he faces and he comes out with a performance like that he was it's been a roller coaster with him he got so much draft type to the point he was getting I've seen him go in the 10th 11th round then the usage wasn't quite there and now that it, the usage has to be there uh there we are so uh yeah Dobbs could be a guy um, I could see being being very productive in any kind of formats. And if you can't go ahead and get the running backs that we want you to get this week, you could easily put him at the top of your list. Uh, I, I think he is going to be a guy that gets targeted quite a bit. Then there was Russell Gage in the opposite side of that matchup. He had 12 catches of his 13 targets, had that one fumble, but 87 yards for a touchdown. We don't know yet 
if Julio Jones will be back or not. We do know Mike Evans will return from the mm-hmm. suspension. Chris Godwin should theoretically be back soon. Yeah. The Buccaneers are going to have more reinforcements available. Absolutely. However, this was what you were hoping to get if you had bet me mm-hmm. uh, as to Alan Lazard or Russell Gage in terms of scoring. Yes, I say that because Alan Slazowski and I have a bet going there you go. right now. And who scores more points? Alan's winning. Mm-hmm. I'm crossing fingers that by the time the end of the season occurs, Lazard will be back in form and yes. Gage will not. But this was a good game for him yeah. and certainly for PPR managers mm-hmm. out there. So here's my not so fast on Rus- Russell Gage. Yes, he had 13 targets, caught 12 of them for 87 yards in his score. But I saw yesterday that Tom Brady just, you know, after Jair Alexander went out, he was trying to pick up, pick on the rookie a little bit, who ended up having a pretty good game. But I think, um, so what was it? Eric Stokes was on the field for 50 snaps in coverage. Zero targets. And I think think he saw one target and that ended up gaining six yards on a really short play. Maybe that stat differs, depends on who's keeping him. But Tom Brady didn't touch. He wasn't looking at Stokes. So I think that was naturally the door for Gage to come through. So the fact that he probably won't be that dialed in on in future games and that the reinforcements are coming um, makes me a little hesitant on Gage. But uh, then again, you look at the injury report. If he's one of the last men standing there by the time, you know, the active roster comes out, then there's some utility there for sure. Uh, and then you had Devontae Parker, who stepped in, and we mentioned multiple times, Jacoby Myers didn't play in this game. And mm-hmm. now it looks the Patriots will be out, uh, Mac Jones, for at least a week or two. Yep. I'm also convinced I'm not buying the Devontae Parker. And I was all mm-hmm. in on Parker to begin the season. Five catches for 156 yards. Great. It's the 10 targets that are nice. We'll have to see. I mean, like it's possible, mm-hmm. depending on how long Brian Hoyer is your starter for the Patriots, that we could have some utility out of one of these Patriots guys. Yeah. We have to see how it works, though, with who he is targeting because that, that's going to matter more. Yeah, more yeah Parker me. passes the eye test. He looks like he still has it to some degree. But I feel like the scheme in Hoyer at quarterback is probably going to be a little more friendly to the shorter routes that Myers runs. You know, they might not take quite as many shots at, at Devontae Parker. And I don't think he sees double-digit targets more than once or twice the rest of the season unless Myers, you know, misses additional time. I think Myers is going to get a lot of those targets and it's going to kind of get sucked in for more of that target share. Now, Parker is absolutely a player that you can pick up and wide receiver three or flex and hope that he breaks three on one of those deeper passes and you can almost have a LaVisca Chenault scenario mm-hmm. where you get a long touchdown out of him. That is certainly possible. You have to like where he's at if you, if you have any best ball shares, but um, you know, for every game, for every line he has like this, he's going to have like a two catches for 14 yards line. So I, I'm, I don't get too crazy excited about him. Then we had KJ Osborne, five catches, 73 yards on touchdown. George Pickens had that massive catch uh, and then not much else in that contest. Isaiah McKenzie, did a little bit more for the Bills offense, and they threw a lot of passes, didn't run a lot, obviously lost that mm-hmm. game, and McKenzie seems to be a bit of a factor. Of those mentioned guys, Osborne, Pickens, and McKenzie, do you have a certain lean on any one of those three? Yeah, it depends on your team needs a little bit. I, I mean, I like McKenzie probably the most because I think they'll work in three wide receiver sets. He was working ahead of da- Gabe Davis, though Davis was probably a little bit limited here. That might change if Gabe Davis gets healthier. Probably McKenzie number one, though. Um, Osborne, he's only 6% rostered and he's been on the field back to back week for about three quarters of snaps. So he's the wide receiver three in a team that's going to run plenty of wide receiver sets. Um, you know, he got a pretty friendly matchup against the lions this week. Now we'll see with new Orleans next week, if, you know, they try to get Lattimore on Jefferson a little bit more and, um, you know, maybe they have to go cousins has to go to the secondary options. I think 
Osborne is someone that'll get you some production at least week to week where Pickens is a guy. So Osborne, like you can start and flex if you really, really have to and count on him to get you some points where Pickens is going to be kind of very hit or miss. He's someone that you obviously saw the raw skill on Thursday night, but he's someone that you pick up and bench stash a little bit more until there's a quarterback change in Pittsburgh or until you actually see it, because there are things that I could see him being more of a late season breakout than someone I would trust to go out and start this week. You know, sp- speaking of late season breakout, how about a guy like um, Traylon Burks, who is at 45% rostered, so kind of meets our threshold mm-hmm. a little bit. I think he saw the most snaps, or at least close to it, I'll of any Titans wide receivers too. So he's playing. So if, if, if he's playing, eventually he's going to break out. I think Traylon Burks is one of those guys that if you can wait out a fantasy manager for one mm-hmm. of those better days ahead, he is uh, – I would not cut him like that. That's uh, yep. of, of our threshold water receivers. I'm not cutting Traylon Burks. Yet. Yeah, it's a very tough situation because I, I'm not cutting him in the two leagues that I have him, which are stake league and a 12 team uh, keeper league. Um, but I'm also not really starting him because it was uh, the snap shares going up. Right, you go from 36.7 percent in week one to 47.2 to 67.3. Uh, so this was the first week that he was second on the team to Robert Woods and has passed Westbrook Akeen in snap share. That's significant to me. Um, and when he gets the ball, he seems to pass the eye test too. He's just, uh, I don't know, he's not quite getting the ball enough yet to be able to uh, really, really trust him. But I do like um, going after him and stashing him if you can. I probably like him a little bit better. I think I like him a little bit better than Pickens, um, even though maybe Pickens has has Obviously, you saw that catch. There's maybe a little bit more raw talent there, but there's more of a door for uh, Burks to see uh, some some solid usage here. So I like him a little bit better. Thinking of stashing receivers too, Michael Gallup, again, we'll mention one more time, at 36% rostered. I anticipate mm-hmm. he plays next week. Once he plays, that's it. You will not get him. You will not see him on this program anymore. Exactly. He's going to be over fifty percent rostered. Mm-hmm. A little far above. Our I think this might be this alone might be the last week because right. even if for whatever reason he doesn't play next week, everyone's going to be like, okay, he for sure is playing next the week after, and I need to go ahead and get him. We've had a couple people on the the comments section ask about Chris Olave, who's at sixty five percent rostered, far above our threshold right now. It's been more like, do I trade Chris Olave for AJ Dillon? I'm not sure what player you'd have to mention right now that I'll be more comfortable with you trading for Alave. Like I think Alave is going to be a top 30 fantasy mm-hmm. wide receiver at that spot or around there for most of the season. That's way too valuable, especially for you able to get him. I'm not mm-hmm. sure you can find a trade value that works. Yeah, so I mean, he's been a target machine these last couple of weeks. James loves throwing the ball in his general direction. Uh, Jarvis Landry, Traquan Smith, and Michael Thomas all came up with injuries after the end of last week too. So that's only going to continue. I had the most interesting question. A friend texted me the other night about needing to get a running back for their dynasty, for their run. And it was like in a trade scenario, which one would you rather keep T Higgins where you only have two years of him or a lave where you get three years of him. And I was thinking, Oh man, that's a lot tougher than it should be mm-hmm. here. And I was trying to, um, I was, tr- I guess I was trying to encourage him to shop T. Higgins over Alave because the perception is that you're going to be able to get a whole lot That's more than him mm-hmm. this week. So, you know, he needed desperately needed a running back. I hope it worked out there. But, uh, yeah, Olave is, um, yeah, I, and the only, uh, the other risk of that would be, you know, you have Burrow kind of presumably and for the long haul, the, 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 Quarterback situation could be more volatile in New Orleans here. But uh, Olave, absolute target monster. Back-to-back weeks with 13 targets. He's the guy Jameis trusts. Does have a few tough secondary matchups on paper coming up, but, you know, small sample size could be leading to that. Um, I love Olave. I mean, at 65% rostered, he's someone that I love almost more than 
I love Garrett Wilson last week. Um, he's 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 the mm. top name that you that you punch in when you're looking on waivers for sure. Any other wide receivers you want to talk about? Any cuts that you want to make at least? Yeah, I mean, I, Zay Jones had a pretty nice line, ten of eleven targets for eighty five yards and a score. Maybe there's room for another wide receiver next to Christian Kirk there in Jacksonville if we're buying the um, if we're buying the Trevor Lawrence resurgence. Um, I guess I'm a little hesitant on that, maybe being fluky, but we throw it out there nonetheless. Uh, there are a couple false alarm guys I wrote down. I mean, LaVisca Chenault had that nice looking big play, but in the end, he only had two targets. Um, Josh Reynolds from Detroit had those 10 targets, but I'm not really interested unless, you know, there's a more serious Amon Ra injury. I'm also calling a little bit of a fluke on that Mac Hollins line mm-hmm. two, eight of Same. 10 targets for 158 in a score. I'm not necessarily interested, um, in that they're going to, they're they're feeling the heat and they're going to find a way to get Devontae the ball more. They just have to, you know, when you're targeting Mac Collins the same amount of times as Devontae, that's right. a problem that you need to get uh, you need to address here. Um, cut list: Darnell Mooney has to show up on this cut list. Finally, um, I could easily see partying ways with him because what do you again? Fantasy purgatory. He sits on your bench. You can't trust him to start. Nobody's going to give you anything of value for him in a trade. Um, so he's toast. Uh, Sky Moore, I cut him already. I cut him for Jarek McKinnon last week oh, uh, to give okay. you a uh, perspective on how, how little I view him. I mean, you know, the fact that he's the punt returner and he's muffing putts and costing people the game. Um, you know, I, I, I took all those extra Chiefs receivers. I think Valdez Scantling has emerged as the second Chiefs receiver. And the way Sky Moore has been showing out, um, it's going to be MVS probably for the rest of the season. So I cut Sky Moore. I had previously thought about sticking uh, Tony on this cut list, but obviously that was before the uh, news that Sterling the Shepherd news about Sterling Shepard. Yeah, yeah, so I was making this uh, the she you know started before the Monday night game. Obviously that changes. You have to keep I'll Tony around. I, I actually I still will be fine cutting him. I think Wandale and mm-hmm. Tony yeah. more or less cut into mm-hmm. each other's workload. Yeah. And I mean, you could cut Tony for for Dobbs. Cut Tony for McKenzie, I, Dobbs maybe. Dobbs needs to be rostered. Like if, by, um, if we do this podcast next week and he's not in the 40% roster yeah. range, I'm going to be upset. Dobbs mm-hmm. is that guy. I, I think, think people are going to realize that. People are going to get smart. Aaron Rodgers, wide receiver one, or even wide receiver two. I mean, you can make that argument with Lazard. But, um, you know, just think for a second. Maybe Lazard keeps a similar role to past years and Dobbs steps into that more Devonta Adams-looking role, then we suddenly have something here. But I think uh, the users are smart across all fantasy leagues, and that roster ship's going to get corrected. I actually think there's two tight ends that are worth discussing and probably could be near the top of the waiver wire for week four. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we do that, let's get a word from our sponsors, Monkey Knife Fight. Football is officially back. A Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL action you're looking for, and if college ball is more of your speed, you got plenty of that too. A Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win, Daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com and you get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit matched instantly up to $100. What are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. Last week you mentioned Jasicki, Evan Ingram, Logan Thomas, uh, Hayden Hurst, and Conklin Ferguson. Ferguson didn't pay out as well. But yeah. hey, it's the David Njoku sighting. Again, now mm-hmm. be careful. 51% rostered. There might have been some fantasy managers who, after the first two weeks, mm-hmm. gave up completely. Well, you watched yep. on Thursday. Wrong approach. Nine catches of his 10 targets, 89 yards, a touchdown. Clearly was the team's wide receiver, too. I don't know how, if you are the Browns, you can go back from what you did on Thursday and do anything else but have David Njoko as your second target behind Amari Cooper the rest of the season. Like You can't literally transition mm-hmm. your game plan backwards because that's yeah. what it would be. He looked dynamic last night, and I thought, or yeah. sorry, last week. It should be yeah. pretty good 
uh, low and tight and won the rest of the season. He definitely pushed guys like Donovan Peoples-Jones down to the cut list if he wasn't there already. Um, you know, because I don't – this is a run-heavy offense, right? You have room for two pass catchers, and those pass catchers are Amari Cooper and David Njoku with a little bit of Kareem Hunt mixed in there. So uh, Njoku seems like the guy. You know, a lot of people are thinking, you know, they saw – a lot of people are thinking that Baker was the problem. And, you know, maybe – with what's happening to DJ Moore, Baker is the problem after all. After Baker couldn't make it work with Odell Beckham, couldn't really make it work with Njoku for all those years. But you know, Njoku is definitely a guy where if you have any kind of tight end insecurity and he's out there at all, you definitely sacrifice a whole lot to uh, to get him on your roster for sure. Even if you have some tight end security, um, you're definitely taking a look. Uh, the other guy I wrote down was Tyler Conklin. We need to revisit him. Alan and I talked about him last week, 21% roster. He has 24 targets for three games. That's about as good as you're going to hope for from a mm-hmm. tight end on the waiver wire. Oh, just to put that into context, the Chargers' top target guy is Gerald Everett at 22. The Chargers, that offense, yes. and Tyler Conklin is 24. Mm-hmm. That's enough, especially in a super flex league, or I've seen a lot more of these leagues now where it's one and a half points per reception for tight ends. Yep, that Conklin's seems to be a growing trend. Yeah, yep. uh, he's an interesting name to, to monitor. For sure. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, you know, look at Conklin's upcoming matchups too. Again, small sample size. So these defense first position stats don't mean a ton yet, but Pittsburgh is 18th against opposing tight ends and Miami is 29th against opposing tight ends. A lot of that with Miami is because they had to play Mark Andrews one week. So, you know, the matchups here are, uh, are, are looking pretty decent on paper here. And, uh, you know, this Jets team there I guess there's some risk with the quarterback turnover like will there be the same level of involvement or does you know Wilson decide to get his boy from last year Elijah Moore a little bit more involved but either way um, that type of target share is uh, is worth adding at least to give yourself some tight end security as a you know have a tight end two around real quick let's just discuss the streaming defenses option of this program here so we have the Steelers against the Jets Eagles against the Jaguars but they're both at about 60 percent rostered right now I like the Packers as well. If the Packers are available mm-hmm. against Brian Hoyer, that's like a top yeah. five play this week, but they're at 69% mm-hmm. rostered. Yeah. So it might, of those three, I bet you yeah. one of them will be available mm-hmm. in most formats. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if the Packers held Tom Brady, even with a shorthanded wide receiving group, if the Packers held Tom Brady to 12 points and six of those points came on the last drive of the game, uh, imagine what they're going to do to Brian Hoyer. So, uh, they're a team that I could even see bidding a buck or two in fab if they're out there on the wires. So those are the top names to type in first, but we want to keep it under 50%. So some of the names I've found, um, the Colts are 35% rostered. They did hold Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs in check. They're a home home at Tennessee. Oh, Derek Henry gives them problems, though. That makes me worried. Okay. Oh, Derek Henry gives them again. I, I'm just stretching problems, here. Know, but- yeah, the Vikings, uh, 19%. They're at New Orleans, so I don't typically like streaming the road team. But uh, like I mentioned earlier in the show, the Saints offense was bad for pretty much three and a half quarters of the game. Got some back in garbage time, but they couldn't really move the football. Maybe we see a better Kamara next week. Uh, You know, that could be a situation. But uh, overall, I'm not really loving it. I'm also seeing I'm seeing a lot of people suggest the Bears on the road against the Giants. I'm not quite sure I love that, but there is a. uh, I mean, this is a Bears team that uh, has a huge playmaker in Roquan Smith. They have shown that they can get to the quarterback and the giants might be like the bucks or worse in terms of the wide receiver groups. Who's going to catch passes for them next week. So I guess I'll try to rationalize that, but 
I would probably rather take the Colts if none of those other three teams that we started off with are available. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll have you real quick, Jake, pull up one of Jerry Dylan-Bedian's uh, snap share and target plays or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a user asking about Justice Hill who had six carries for 60 uh, yards for the Ravens last week, and this is important because J.K. Dobbins did make his season debut and that Ravens offense has been insane. The Ravens have the Bills this week. That's the highest over-under of the week mm-hmm. for Slate at 52 points. Uh, we have talked about every uh, Ravens running back under the sun, Kenyon Drake, Mike Davis, J.K. Dobbins. Justice Hill has never been in my conversation or my thought process. I'm curious with those six carries for 60 yards if he got more yeah. snaps than we've seen him. So I saw him, um, I saw him on a few lists. I didn't quite think he was uh, he was big enough to include, but I guess with Just- Gus Edwards on the pup list, Kenyon Drake not being involved at all, Mike Davis seeing single-digit snaps. Hill has grown to the backup there. Now, I suspect that J.K. Dobbins' role will grow until he gets closer to 60-70% of the snaps, even though they've typically used multiple backs. I feel like this was a kind of ease-him-in type role, but because uh, you asked for the numbers here, Justice Hill, 47.5% of the snap share in week three. So that puts his season at uh, 34.7%. Dobbins had seven carries. Hill had six. Justice Hill had zero targets in the passing game. So that limits it a little bit. But in the second half is where things got interesting. Hill, according, this is right from Jerry's article. Hill got far more playing time than Dobbins with a 73 to 27 snap share advantage mm-hmm. and five to three edge and carries in the second half. So that is going to make things interesting. I could see. Is that because they were limiting Dobbins, though? Like, yeah, see, that's, that's my big. That's my big worry here. Again, it's Justice Hill. If it hasn't, you know, he had chances to right. to really to really separate himself against the pack. You know, last season um, and earlier in this season as well, when they had, uh, you know, when they had such a or. Basically, for two seasons, he had a chance to separate himself, and for and for this season too, he did, and uh, he never really took advantage of those opportunities here. Now, um, yeah, he had a good game this past week, but I mean, you're not going to pick him up and start him against the Bills next week. You know, that's that's for sure. That's that's just not going to happen. Right. You know, we saw even though the that Bills Dolphins game was one of the weirdest stat lines Evans for a, two rushing touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. And you know, we were on Mostert a little bit last week. By the way, don't cut Mostert yet. I still think he'll be fine. Um, you know, it was just a matchup against the Bills, but uh you're not picking Justice Hill up and starting him against the Bills ne- this next week and you know, by the time we get to 2 weeks from now and beyond, I think it's JK Dobbins backfield. So that's why I guess I left him off. I'd much rather pick up um I'd pick up. I'd rather pick up McKissick, and maybe even I'd rather pick up P. Ryan this week um, than anything I'd count on Justice Hill for. I, I tend to agree. Uh, Trey points out that Justice Hill was part of that 17 running backs that were injured last year. He's correct, but even still, I think Justice Hill has had time during training camp to break out more from a, yeah. a perspective where he could be that guy. He oh, hasn't been. I'm yeah. Not, I'm okay. Not good good point from the, from the user. I was looking at 2019, played in 16 yeah. games. 2020, played in 12 games. I but I should have read that as 2021. This is wrong because he was not yeah. a guy in training camp that was really emerging either. He's had mm-hmm. his opportunities. We haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Uh, real quick, another user pointing out for us, and I actually think this matters more for you, Jake. So Did I mess part- up? No. No. Just. Oh no. So you don't party too hard uh, Saturday night and Sunday morning. We have our first London game. The Vikings are traveling to London to play the Saints. I don't think that matters much from a streaming perspective, but you were saying you don't want to play the Vikings defense or the Saints defense because vice versa. That is going oh, to be oh, good a point. London So I, I did screw up. I did screw <laughs> up because it's technically a home game for the Saints. So yes. thank you for mentioning that. Um, so 
I don't know if I don't play the Saints defense anymore or the yeah. Vikings defense anymore because there are. And that actually makes happens. me like the Vikings a little bit more because me, I was originally thinking it was a road game in New Orleans, and you know I like to avoid that when I'm streaming defenses. But the fact that it's a road game for both teams and there's travel involved, and the way this New Orleans offense has been, makes me think that maybe uh, the Vikings are a little bit more attractive as a stream. So I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a decision to make because I picked up the Bears in uh, the Invitational oh, okay. to stream against the Texans last week. Mm. You know, average, whatever, okay, nothing, nothing too special. I think they got me five points because there's no bonuses for points allowed or anything like that. I might I might swap them for the Vikings this week. Okay, well, that, that's fair. I just want to the users are picking us up, Jake. Like, yeah, so no, just, absolutely. It's like, like week uh, four London games. That, that seems yeah, crazy to me. Yeah, week four for exactly. London. Or whatever. Yeah. So thanks for catching me on that error. I, I I do really appreciate that. It's like the end of like the end of PTI when they have their fact check, their errors and omissions. I appreciate that. One of these days we'll get a Jamie in here to be our producer. But uh, until then, we appreciate all the help from the users. Yeah, uh, that does it for us in the week four NFL podcast. Uh, again, for the hopefully for the users who came in late, my voice will be arriving a little bit better for week five. We'll have to see. I will not be going to the Packers game. I still can't imagine having a cheer, but I know you will, Jake. You're going to be rooting on mm-hmm. Brian Hoyer throwing many interceptions to the Packers defense. Uh, and again, if the, if one of those three, if the Packers defense, uh, if it was going to be uh, who was yep. the other? We mentioned the other two. Mm-hmm. I should keep my voice this week at the Packer game because normally <laughs> the tickets that are mine were right on the aisle. And, uh, you know, after a few beverages, I, I kind of find it to be my duty to turn around and pump the section up on third down. These tickets aren't mine. They're you from they, they're from a friend. Uh, yeah. Hey, man, I think it helps. We're right in the end zone. Sometimes we're pretty close. Got to get the got to get the people on their feet here. But uh, no, these tickets are from a friend. I don't know where these are going to be. Maybe I'll do a little bit less yelling at this game than uh, than is normal. But yeah. Yeah, I'm that guy. So if you see That's me at the fine. Packer game, give me a high five and help me pump the crowd up. One of the Packers, Steelers, or Eagles, again, they're all about 60% roster. They should be, one of those should be available. I think it will be the top start for this week. All right, again, that does it for us. Next week, we'll be back for a week five waiver wire pickups. Until then, best of luck for your fantasy lineups.